Hey, Nora. Hey, Sandy. That was such a long little break <laughs> before you responded. <laughs> I like to shake it up. Is that because you're distracted by the riveting CPC leadership convention? <laughs> That's I do have a Twitter feed open right now, and I am reading it, and I will probably be reading it throughout the recording of the session, which is, of course, is um, at the normally scheduled time for the conservative convention to release the results, 5 p.m. Eastern time. <laughs> oh, no, it's not. <laughs> it is. It is currently 9 p.m. Eastern time, 6 p.m. for those of us on the West Coast, and the conservative uh, leadership vote count situation uh, seems to be an entire disaster, which just shows you how ready they are to run the country. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> you know what, though? I, I have to give them credit. Uh, it seems like one of the problems that they've had is that their ballot counting machines turned into ballot eating machines, which... I love it. Yeah, I, 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 that is literally what should be done with conservative ballots. And so technology <laughs> wins on that one. Thank you, machine. Machines have joined uh, the socialists. So we're, <laughs> we're doing well. We're going to win eventually in the future. You know, it's, it's yeah. all for us because if the machines are on our side, it's all we need. Yeah, yeah, and I'm just seeing too that CBC is preempting their coverage of the convention, which was supposed to start hours and hours ago, because uh, of hockey. <laughs> so, oh my god, everything's going great. How are you, Nora? <laughs> I'm really great. I'm. Uh, I'm. I think that to just to close off this little part of the conversation, because I, I think tonight's topic will probably mention the conservatives as well. But I just want to put my my um, prediction on the table for what's going to happen tonight, because you know you'll be hearing this by Tuesday or later the conservatives will have crowned their leader and i'm gonna say that it's gonna probably maxime bernier <laughs> yeah it'll go to bernier who by the way some pollsters <laughs> are still including in their in, in their questionnaires about uh federal leadership and confidence which is like fuck you guys stop trying to make maxime bernier what a thing oh I saw that last God. week. Uh, I'm going to go with, I suspect the winner will be Peter McKay only because um, it's clear that most conservatives have never met him. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and Aaron O'Toole just looks like too much of a large baby for you to imagine like him ever actually being a member of the armed forces, which apparently he was. <laughs> I agree with your assessment. And I do want to note on another uh, kind of funny conservative uh, piece of news. Did you see the interview that Andrew Scheer did a couple of days ago in advance of this convention uh, with CBC, where a CBC anchor asks him why uh, there's been so much uh, fervor and excitement over Kamala Harris in the United States and none of the same uh, excitement in Canada around Leslin Lewis, who is a black woman who's running for the conservative leadership. Did you see that interview? <laughs> what? Where did they get that question? I don't know. But his answer was, it's the only time I will like uh, Andrew Scheer. <laughs> his answer was, well, I would like to ask you guys that question. Why do you cover... <laughs> 
Kamala Harris so much and haven't covered at all this black woman who's running uh, for the conservative party and uh, conservatives and has done very, very well um, unexpectedly or something like that. And anyway, the, the anchor was like, ah, it was pretty funny. That's amazing. I will look that up because I like a good uh, surprise, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was quite the surprise. Um, yeah. Anyway, so we got people to thank. We got things to announce. Yeah, we've got some stuff going on for sure. So first, uh, we were, uh, we had someone from Climate Justice Toronto reach out to us and just um, let us know about this uh, great initiative they're doing. They are fundraising uh, to do some mutual aid uh, support for folks um, who are, have been negatively impacted by impacted. Uh, by COVID and uh, anti-Indigenous and anti-Black racism. And it's specifically for Black and Indigenous folks in uh, the greater Toronto area. And so they're fundraising to deliver care packages, to organize healing circles, and to directly support mental health support, rent payments, and groceries. Um, And so if you folks look for Climate Justice Toronto... Um, on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, you should be able to find a link directly to their fundraiser uh, and support that. And right now, the government ain't doing so hot on supporting these types of things. And so for activists and organizers on the ground who are doing it, it's important to, you know, support that where we can. Yeah. And this week, we've got a lot of folks to thank. So thank you to everybody who supports the podcast, whether you share it online or you tell your friends about it or you subscribe, which is actually something I've never figured out how to do myself. So if it's not possible, subscribe to podcasts anymore. I, I, I don't know how that works. But thank you if it is possible. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm such a Luddite. Okay. But uh, thank you this week to Gail, Holly, Amanda, Rowena, Jesse, Cheryl, Jennifer, Aurora, Alana, Mariana, Ned, Ev, and Cassandra. We appreciate you all so, so super, super much and can't wait to get out and see so many of you at a live show uh, someday. You know what? Talk about Kamala Harris. The only moment that I felt during the DNC stuff that I was like, oh, was in her video where she's hugging everyone. (laughs) And I was like, shit, remember that? (laughs) Remember those days? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you'll you. There were also lots of videos of Biden touching people, so <laughs> that makes me feel less warm. How he interacts with people, weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Nora got Instagram. I feel like we just need to <laughs> celebrate that she made good on her promise from last week. It took me doing a little bit of calling out on Twitter. I had to let the people know that Nora was potentially lying to all of us, and uh, we scared her straight. And that is how advocacy works, folks. You just gotta let people know that you're serious about embarrassing them, and uh, it'll force them to move. Even Nora. Yeah, I was not about to come on this podcast and get called out again. <laughs> okay, so what are we actually talking about this week? That was a very long preamble. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, and, and I'm st- usually happy how quickly we got our preambles through, but there was 
there's a lot of stuff happening and there's a lot of stuff currently happening. This past week on Tuesday, when we our episodes come out every week on Tuesday, there was some pretty big news that happened in Ottawa. Uh, Bill Oh, my God. I almost said Bill Blair. The other Bill, a <laughs> fucking cabinet of bills over there, uh, Bill Morno, resigned. Oh, my God. Wasn't that two months ago? Did that happen this week? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. This week has been exceptionally long. <laughs> It has been exceptionally long. And so this episode is going to talk about, it's a classic Sandy and Nora federal politics episode, which I'm not sure we've done since, I mean, since they probably announced the CERB or we were like, oh, the pandemic, what the fuck is the world right now? Um, and so, yeah, Bill Morneau, my God, I almost said Bill Blair again. That motherfucker is still in office, by the way. And and and, and people just had their, their G20 arrest settlement money come out this week. And the federal government announced that they are they're, they're appealing the federal court ruling on the the safe third country agreement which is so wild so wild that they're doing that all in the same week that they're proroguing government so sandy what does this all fucking mean is this the end of of justin trudeau or is this the beginning of prime minister christia freeland may god help us all (laughs) wait what are you anti-feminist or something (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, um, I I actually have denounced feminism just so I can make fun of Christian Freeland. <laughs> okay, first of all, when you say what's happening, I feel like um, Justin Trudeau et al. are playing a hilarious game of darts where they're like <laughs> in in some sort of like vacuum wind tunnel and there's but it's spinning and there's dart dart boards all over the place and they're just trying to hit the the target with a bunch of darts, hoping uh, that the media, I can't continue the analogy, it doesn't make sense anymore, that the media (laughs) will pick up on something, anything other than the we scandal to save them uh, from that sinking ship. And so I think think we really saw that start with uh, the, the weird governor general scandal, where it was like, (laughs) governor general is is mean to her staff. And it's like, okay, that's terrible. First of all, fuck her for being um, a shit employer. But also, I imagine that a lot of governor generals and the queen are shit employers. So I don't know. Like, yeah, it's in the fucking job posting. It didn't really seem to work. Yeah, it didn't really seem to work. And then so, you know, they were they were just, uh, I think, doing whatever they could to try to shift the story. Um, and then it got to a point where it was like, well, someone's going to have to to eat it because it's not going away. And um, part of the re- way you can tell that uh, this is about someone having to eat it is because there's like really <laughs> no real reason for Morneau to quit. They're like, oh, we they disagreed on how to support people during COVID. Really? Yeah. Now? In August, <laughs> like they they were like all in it together until last week. Uh, uh. I don't know that that smells like some bullshit. And oh wait, on his way out, Justin Trudeau is going to support him to get this other prestigious international appointment. 
Hmm. That smells like somebody who was asked to eat it and was and was told, look, we'll give you this thing to make sure you have you can have a soft landing. And also, he's the guy who can kind of, you know, besides maybe Justin Trudeau, who can kind of uh, eat it the best because oh, he's like yeah. independently wealthy and does not need uh, the income or anything that uh, being a cabinet minister gets him. In fact, it's the liberals who need him. Yeah. Yeah, you're so right. And I'm really surprised that I haven't seen too many. Um, well, I'm not that surprised because army is shit. But I-, I thought I would have seen more analyses on like, why in the fuck does it make any sense for Bill Morneau to resign? Like Trudeau is way more implicated with the We Charity than Morneau is. Morneau's adult daughter Mm -hmm. is an employee versus Trudeau's fucking high-profile wife who only exists as a human figure because she's his wife is their flagship podcast host. His mother Mm -hmm. revived a career as a mental health activist thanks to We Day, and we know that it goes very, very, very deep. We know that there was more information that the the federal committee was going to be able to study, which, of course, they can't now because of prorogation. And so, like, more no falling on his sword or eating as much shit as he can take, which, I mean, he's a rich guy, so I think they, they do actually have a talent for shit eating for sure. Um, it, it, it was, it's this like weird, like, aha, the problem's gone away and prorogation all gone. See you all in whatever fucking 47 days or 49 days. And, you know, I think the big question for Canadians, of course, is like, why now? Like prorogation in and of itself is fine. Things get prorogued all the time and they have been sitting, they didn't take a break from the summer, but why at this exact moment? Well, it's very clear that they're trying to change the channel. They're trying to shut everything down and they're trying to... Uh, stop the 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 investigations into the various forms of corruption that are coming out. And then, of course, last week, um, you know, um, liberal fucking inside friendly journalist guy, Justin Ling, had uh, another scoop of another based on another anonymous source uh, from Ottawa. He had a anonymous source originally saying that Morneau was probably going to be out. Um, this one coming from Morneau's office saying that Katie Telford's husband, Rob Silver, was lobbying to have the wage subsidy rules changed so that his employer could access it because his employer, which is a, a mortgage corporation that's owned by the Caisse de Depot et Placement in Quebec, wasn't eligible. And so Rob Silver was lobbying and he's a former lobbyist and he shouldn't be lobbying and he's not registered to lobby. Anyway, another scandal that's just kind of like coming out from Camp Morneau. Like, so... Maybe like Morno was eating a lot of shit, but like who is leaking this stuff from his office to make this scandal, another scandal come out related to the wage subsidy or related to CERB or related to the pandemic management? It's very interesting, but there has been no analysis that's kind of risen above these like tit for tat po- uh, politicking or politics to help us understand what the fuck is actually happening right here. Like as if we aren't still completely in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah, like none of none of the stories that were, you know, quote unquote leaked, like uh and the the better the better term to use is placed <laughs> in the media. Yes, thank because you. Because this is so very clearly um uh, a strategy of uh people from the liberal war room is you know, like okay, fuck. You know, they say they, that Morneau and Trudeau disagreed over COVID programs. The, apparently, uh, the 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 placed story is that 
um, Morneau wanted the Serb uh, to be capped at what would equal minimum wage so as not to disincentivize people from returning to work. And Trudeau wanted something different. <laughs> Doesn't, we don't know <laughs> what Better, he I think, wanted. Was the leak. Yes, yes. Clearly, the leak was like Trudeau wanted to do more for the Canadian people. <laughs> you know what I mean, it's just like, <laughs> but there's no actual plan. Like, it, it's just there's so much about this that just smells like um, uh, liberal crap and it it comes out after the governor general story didn't really pick up that much uh and it becomes very clear that this is about making this terrible scandal the latest in a slew of scandals that trudeau has been implicated in since uh he was first elected trying to make it go away and so i don't know will it nora i mean i guess maybe we should talk about next is prorogation is the next thing that happens which is like uh, for for those of you who weren't around uh, during the giant prorogation of the Harper years, where it was the only word that was ever being said on any uh. news channel ever, prorogation is like is the you know stopping of Parliament and anything that is on the books um, at that time until Parliament opens up again. It's like it's like a reset button. So any bills that we're currently going through. Um, the, the the process of being adopted or considered or debated um, are now off. It's as though, you know, they've just swept the table clean and Parliament's on a break. Yeah. And so I know a lot of folks have been really like fascinated by the procedure of it all and how like anti-transparency this is to have stopped all these processes right in the middle of like have of happening, which of course that's that's true, but I think the much bigger yeah, and I mean Justin Trudeau himself was against prorogation during the Harper years, and has there's a hilarious speech that was circulating on Twitter recently of him um, attempting to use words because he was he's he's gotten better at it in his, in these later years, but um, he's still not excellent. But in any case, I digress. <laughs> what he was saying was that uh, prorogation was anti-democratic and a way for the government to take the heat um, off of off of themselves uh, when they were being rightfully questioned on uh, whatever it was at the time that is escaping me right well, now. Well, it it, there was two moments of prorogation, but the big one was um, documents related to the war in Afghanistan. And the weird thing about what happened... And I think at the time that there was going to be... There may... Uh, like, the the Liberals and the NDP were considering a uh, a coalition government in response. And then there was... Uh, the the Conservatives prorogued rather than let that happen. Is that right? Yeah, and the bloc, actually. The, the three leaders of the parties, Duceppe, Dion, and uh, whoever the fuck was the leader of the NDP. Was it Leighton? I don't even remember... Where we are in the timeline of the NDP, yeah, it must have been Leighton, um, and they, yeah, it was Leighton, yeah, and and they were they had signed a document saying that they were willing to go to the governor general and say that you know we are a majority and we're going to take over government. Now, what was really interesting about that moment in time, and I I think it's actually really instructive to talk about that because you know you and I were both really active and around that era, and it was mm-hmm. it was weird how a parliamentary procedure put so many people in the streets. 
it was just like this pressure valve on how much people hated Stephen Harper and they could finally pour into the streets and be like, this guy doesn't give a rat's ass but our democracy. And um, I met a lot of liberals organizing actually during at that time because they were just so shocked that the democratic mm-hmm. process was going to be so, uh, you know, shit on or whatever. And, and Harper did it twice. And I don't remember what the second issue was over, but I mean, it was a similar kind of get rid of the scandal kind of problem. But the war in Afghanistan should have been the issue mobilizing people more than the issue of parliamentary procedure. Right. Because the reality is that parliamentary procedure is fucking boring and no one cares about it. And even if you're morally outraged by your leaders for doing it, there's really no path forward. And so there was we didn't really have that momentum or the or the strength of the anti-war movement back in the late 2000s when this happened for us to be able to turn that discussion into a discussion around uh, around the war. And so it stuck primarily on the question of prorogation, but was very, very interesting was in a lot of parts of Canada, especially in Toronto, the the anti-prorogation stuff laid the foundation for who organized Occupy a couple of years later, (laughs) which was like... That's right. That's right. Very cool. But so now we are in a moment where, you know, some people are outraged or a lot of people are outraged by by the parliamentary procedure aspect of it. But we can't forget that, like, we are in the middle of a pandemic We have a federal government that continues to do not even close to enough for Canadians. They were up until this past week saying that if you are on CERB, you'd be sent over to EI. And so if you're like a creative person or a person that works in the creative industries and you're waiting month to month, like when can we get back on set? When can we back to rehearsals? When will people be able to have money again to hire me for my art? Every month you're like, Okay, still not making enough money. I'm on the CERB. It doesn't make any sense for you to go then onto EI because you're not unemployed. You're like you're literally waiting for contracts. And a lot of people were really worried about this. Of course, EI is a huge mess as well. And um, and then all of a sudden, this last minute kind of thing. Oh, now that Bill Morneau is gone and heading over to the OECD, we hope uh, we're announcing that CERB uh, is going to continue. Everybody. And it's just like so fucking cruel to leave it to the last minute for people who are relying on the CERB. And then, of course, there's all these like articles about how, you know, we cannot let people get addicted to the CERB, says a guy who's on the fucking board of SNC-Lavalin. It's like, yeah, getting getting addicted to highly expensive cocaine and fucking corruption is what you prefer. Like, what the fuck? (laughs) Okay. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. I mean, that's all... (laughs) very bizarre. And for those of us who are watching all of this, it is really critical that we keep our eyes on the central issue, which is both everything that's happening with COVID, but also like, you know, everything that's happened this summer, you know, the, the government has, you know, the, the, the media spent a lot more time on the we scandal than they did on the government's inaction uh, on any type of uh, initiative with respect to uh, police brutality and anti-indigeneity and anti-blackness within uh, law enforcement. Uh, and the, the, the media hasn't really taken the government to task on how they're dealing with uh, the emergency services and benefits that the government has put in place for COVID that many people have been saying for so long are insufficient. And yet, 
here we have a government, as Nora quite rightly says, is like being like, ah, running away, uh, doing some last minute stuff, running away um, at this moment where they're embroiled in a scandal. And it's really critical that, you know, for those of us who are paying attention and for anyone who's covering it, not to lose sight of either the scandal, because it is important that the, the you know, Trudeau has this lo- lengthy list of fucking ethics issues. Um, but also all of the other things um, that that show where this this government has failed us, has just totally failed us. And normally it would not just be up to the media and us uh, to to make sure that we are writing uh, the focus from uh, the the issue of you know Bill Morneau quitting or or the Governor General or prorogation or whatever it is. Normally, it would be the leaders of opposition parties who are forcing us to continue to pay attention to the stories that matter. And um, that's not really happening. <laughs> no. No, and and so super cynically, and I, I, I think we really need to make a, a, a fine point on this, the choice to then, like, trot out Christia Freeland as being the face of the government was just so unbelievably cynical and so liberal that I just wanted to, like, punch myself in the face <laughs> over and over and over again. So, you know, you've got a government that on women's issues has done almost fuck all. I mean, they really haven't done a whole lot. They've 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 added language around, you know, gender based analyses, which has been mostly confusing, not properly implemented. Lots of critics out there talking about how they haven't really done the gender based analysis budgeting, gender based analysis plus budgeting very well. Uh, there has been some money given to, uh, to to groups that fight violence against women and groups that work with women and, and non-binary folks uh, who are facing violence. There's family shelters that have been built. But I mean, that's like not much if you look at how much money like is overall kind of in the in in the 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 pot for them to spend. And so on the big issues, elder care, I mean, fuck, like we are in the middle of a fucking elder care crisis, middle of it, middle of it. And rather than having any any advancement at all on elder care, which is, of course, a feminist issue because not only uh, women live longer, (laughs) I mean, Mm -hmm. fuck, uh, but also it tends to be it's feminized labor. Right. And so no nothing on that. And then what did we find out last week? We found out which. I mean, stop me, Sandy, if we talked about this last week, I can't even remember the days are running into each other, but that the that the the wage subsidy went to extended care, right? To the largest for-profit nursing home retirement home network in Canada and probably went to all of them, right? That, that, that the federal wage subsidy has been going to corporations who have been actively negligent in this pandemic. Yeah. 
And it's like, where is that? Like, why was that just like, oh, today's scoop and then that's it? It's like, no, 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 no. I want a fucking list of every single corporation in this country, every single shit corporation in this country that is driving its workers into the ground, that is creating misery, that is that is that is entrenching white supremacy, that all of the fucking federal money that they got to keep paying their weight, their their workers low income fucking shit wages and shit job conditions in a fucking shitty situation like a pandemic and then Oh, we know that low-income people are more targeted by COVID. Oh, we know that it's racialized people. Oh, we know that it's poor communities. It's so enraged. But but fucking Christopher Freeland's dress is pretty well cut, and she looks fucking prime ministerial. <laughs> I oh my god! I really think you know what I I wish. I wish that there was someone, anyone out there who was tracking how often Justin Trudeau ran to his message of being this feminist. Like, I hope that it's super clear to people here at the bottom half of 2020 that from the very beginning, Justin Trudeau only ever used the idea of feminism as a way to make himself Canada's top man <laughs> look really good. And that's what the the liberals are doing right now is that they are trying to appeal to people's sensibility around feminist issues. And just through this really bizarre uh, kind of haven't we already thrown this in the garbage pail representational politics bullshit. But also Nora and I did predict earlier this year that there would be some sort of childcare program announced. Uh, I think that if prorogation didn't happen, we would have seen it um, fairly soon. But I do think, given um, uh, Christian Phelan's comments uh, when when she remarked on on her new position, her new role, that uh, oh, COVID is hitting women worse, and uh, I'm going to use this new role to do more for women. I still think that our prediction is going to happen. Oh, totally. Oh, my God. I mean, the, the weird thing about prorogation is that they can still make announcements and they still oh, will I'm, make announcements. Well, well, look, you know, most throughout most of COVID, all of the, the, the services that they were announcing weren't going through Parliament. <laughs> so right. I think we can expect many announcements during this period. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if Trudeau ramped up uh, the amount of announcements that he was doing so that he could appear to the public without having to go through uh, the the questions that he was getting at question period. <laughs> As if they're that fucking hard. I mean, part part of like how we have to see this, uh, the current moment in parliament is also a failure of the other parties to be able to do anything. I mean, the fact that it was the block that was like, either you guys resign or we're going to trigger a snap election. Like, that should have been the NDP. Yeah. And I know a lot of people cynically were like, well, it's just the block. They don't really have it. Like, they've got nothing to lose. Well, first of all, they actually do. Like, the block isn't a, a given at all in Quebec. Um, and it's not as if, like, the federal programs, I mean, they're helping people here, too, regardless of what some kind of right-wing nationalist voices are saying. But... I like there is no reason for the NDP to not do that other than, oh, we don't want an election. Oh, it's too hard. Oh, we've got no finances. Oh, we're totally disorganized internally. And it's like, what are you guys waiting for to get fucking organized? Because we can see that there is a 
colossal shit show to the right of the cons- of the of the liberals the conservative party i mean we're still watching for results there's obviously still no results coming in yet uh sunday night almost 10 o'clock um and they have still managed to do a pretty good like job at making sure that these scandals stick within their membership because that the, that conservative like rage machine was really really active uh being so pissed about we like as if the biggest scandal in the world was we and not like all of the other fucking things that we've talked about tonight and so like the, the NDP really needs to get its shit together I know like Leah Gazan has got this uh, motion for uh, a guaranteed income. So trying to translate the serve into guaranteed income, that seems great. We have talked on this show about like, where the fuck is the institutional left? And I think now more than ever, this is the question that lefties have to ask ourselves. It's like, where is the pressure coming from the left for the liberals to do better because in absence of any pressure over here and in the presence of even a colossally fucked up conservative party that still has an activist membership base the liberals will just run roughshod over every one of their feminist promises and there won't be anything any possible way for the left to fucking do anything about it and i think that that's what scares me the most because it's like you know this is why prorogation is a funny thing for people to rally behind because it it only speaks to nerds. And I mean, <laughs> nerds are not fucking running the revolution. Like, sorry, nerds. And um, and what worked under Harper can't work now because there's a lot more nerds in the Liberal Party of Canada. And of course, they were pissed about prorogation back then. And now they're in power. And so it's like we have a minority government in a minority government situation. Now there's no way to hold the government to account. And Uh, You know, what is going to happen when they do put forward a spending bill that does have to get the approval of the other parties uh, eventually, I guess, when their little holiday is finished? And I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure how the liberals get out of this. I don't think that the that the prorogation is going to hide or make any of these kinds of issues go away. But I also know that, fuck, like it does rely on journalists doing their job. And I am not confident in that. Yeah. The other thing is that Look, the Conservative Party is 100% a mess right now, but they won't be. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, they are going to get their shit together. They have a machine that has run very well for decades. Um, They, as soon as they elect this leader, they're going to clean it right up and they're going to be right back where they need to be. And they have all the contacts in media and all the contacts in big business and big money in Canada to make it happen. And so um, for, for folks on the left, like it just seems quiet right now, like quiet on the left and the right, while the liberals are just like kind of scrambling under the their own fucking mistakes. It's, it's not going to be that way in a few months. Once the conservatives get their shit together, they're going to be able to take over very quickly. So it's like so critical of uh, those of us who are paying attention to elevate the noise around these issues that really, really matter. Well, and also take cues from what's happening elsewhere within the within the country. And so I think Ontario is a really important jurisdiction to watch. Doug Ford has managed to not really wear too much of the fucking sins of his government and how they're organizing, you know, back to school and all this kind of stuff. And this week he's promised uh 200 new fucking cop hires right like looking at the defund the police movement and seeing his popularity and being like meh like fuck it fuck you guys we're hiring more cops and we're hiring more cops at a time during a pandemic where 
all they will do will be to harass, menace like people because they've got nothing else to do because we're still fucking living through a pandemic. It's like, okay. At the same time as they're cutting literally everything else. <laughs> so it's just like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wild. And and you've got this example of this dance that's happening right now between school boards and the government where school boards don't know what they can do. They're kind of playing this weird game of chicken and then the government keeps changing their ideas and they're not sure. And it's like school starts in two weeks, guys. Like, where were you 10 months yeah. ago? Where were you or 10 weeks ago? Sorry. Uh, trying to figure this stuff out. Oh, but the government keeps changing their minds. Yeah, but school boards are also governments. School boards have elected people. So it's just like, it's one of these moments where you can play by the rules. You can you could be a school board trustee and be like, oh, but the government keeps changing the rules. Or you can be the NDP in the federal government and be like, oh my God, they just prorogued it and there's so much scandal and this is such an outrage. Like, why are you proroguing government? Or we could fucking rewrite the rule book. And that is literally what has to happen right now. And we have to think about how that rule book must look differently. Because if we don't, we will be stuck in a fucking feminist nightmare scenario with Prime Minister Christia Freeland. And every time you talk about her grandfather being a Nazi, people are like, oh, you're Russian propaganda, even though it's like her fucking grandfather was a Nazi and she fucking didn't hate his shit. Okay, that's a whole other fucking episode. Uh, and it's going to be very, very hard to dislodge the the conservative, uh, the liberals, the gains that they get from this because she still polls really well and she's got some popularity. Um, I also, by the way, I think do a pretty good impression of her. Oh my god! <laughs> right, well, are you going to do it now? I'll pull that you should out do it now someday. No, 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 I'm not going to do it now because I have to think of what she would have to, what she'd say. It, it's like pretty fucking hard to just be that vacant on the spot you know oh wow okay <laughs> <laughs> like i was like i want to be clear that these tariffs are unacceptable and that canada will not accept these tariffs from the united states that was pretty good although i think you could slow it down a little bit her, her pregnant pauses, in fact, all her pro- pauses are pregnant and, like, super pregnant. Like, all the way pregnant. <laughs> overdue. Her like, overdue totally pauses. totally overdue. No, you're right. She, that when she was talking about the, ter- the tariffs, she was like, she seemed pissed. And so she actually did not have her classic pauses. But anyway, I mean, we got fucking eight more years of Prime Minister Christopher Freeland to make fun of, and we will, for sure. But, you know, I, I just feel like... There's so much possibility. There's so much opportunity in this moment. And if we if we're not, as you said earlier, paying attention to the real issues, then we're going to miss it. Yeah. And I just I want to like co-sign what you're saying about this is the moment to rewrite the book. I mean, we've said this before. We've been saying this um, this entire year. It's (laughs) like, okay, we're always pressuring y'all to like take different. Uh, approaches to things like try a different strategy do something new cool um people always have the response that hey we're doing what works we're looking at the data we're looking at what happened before we're doing what we know great nobody knows anything right now Mm. (laughs) nothing (laughs) makes sense nothing makes sense and so if you were always the person if you were always the person being like oh the time is not yet right but when the time is right we shall launch it's like what if now is not the time like literally when is the time this is the perfect time to rewrite all the rules because none of the rules apply we are not 
playing on the same game board. We're not even playing the same type of game. It's like, I don't know, we went from Monopoly to fucking Atari or something. <laughs> even something. more intense than Atari. Something like that. <laughs> do, do you think all our listeners will know what Atari is? I mean, I'm on Instagram now, so you just message so. us if you don't know what Atari is, and I'd love to see that. <laughs> yeah, but my, you know, my point is, it's like, as as we've made this point so many times, like this is we are in a in a time where so little makes sense that there's no rules for anything. People are making things up as they go along. Don't constrain yourselves to some rules that were bullshit in the first place. Now is the time to be creative. And at this time right now, when literally every single party is floundering, every single one of them, Mm -hmm. it's like there's a vacuum of power. And that vacuum could be be filled uh, by people power on the ground. Why? It has to be. (laughs) I mean... It's it's our only hope. And and I mean, if you listen to this podcast, I think one of the things that you can do that's pretty simple is to make sure that you're talking with everybody in your circles about what the liberals are doing. They have power with their lies, with their fucking incredible lies about how they're progressive and how they're feminist and how they're going to do all this fucking good shit. And as they announce whatever the fuck it's going to be, whether it's childcare, whether it's some sort of new system of something, they will be hailed as progressive heroes by the mainstream press. And, you know, the mainstream press has been so hollowed out that really the only analysis that you're going to get if you read a lot of the daily newspapers in this country is going to be conservative fucking bullshit or liberal big L or small L liberal bullshit. And so, like... Being able to talk with the people we know about this, about how this is a government who looks at Canada's borders and who looks at Donald Trump and who knows a, a Canadian has died in ice from COVID and knows the conditions of uh, of detention centers, of ice detention centers in the United States and says, oh, the third country agreement is not constitutional. Yeah, Fuck that. No, we're going to take that to the Supreme Court. No, no, fuck the liberals. And every single fucking member of parliament who is a liberal needs to get a load on their fucking answering machine about decisions like this. Because they're going to continue to make decisions about this, like this. It'll, whether it's Bill Blair, whether it's Dominic LeBlanc, or whether, whether it's Catherine McKenna, or fuck. I mean, they tried to change the, t- the channel with Catherine McKenna getting death threats as if we don't all get death threats all the fucking time right now right they're going to be doing this because they're masters of doing it and because they own like so many journalists to help them do it and you folks who listen to this podcast and who are active and engaged you are the ones that have to help convince people see this understand what's happening here and 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 that's going to be the only way that we're going to scare the liberals into actually taking good actions and fuck if you're listening and you're the ndp i mean i don't know like the ndp rule book really does need to be ripped up and restarted and i really encourage local ndp activists to be having conversations about how to do that and there's still no conservative leadership choice (laughs) and there's still no conservative leadership choice yes 